Father, we thank you for the church. It was your idea. It's your plan. And she belongs to you, Lord Jesus. You bought her. You paid for her. You have cleansed her and made her holy. She's your bride. And Father, I'm so glad that this, this great institution, this great body, this great organism called the church is also called a family. And that we are, we are intimately related through the bond of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters in Christ, all children of the Most High God. And when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. When one part of the body rejoices, we may all rejoice. But we lift these concerns up to you in faith that through these illnesses, through these struggles, even through the passing of loved ones, you will be glorified and people will be brought to you, will come to you for hope and comfort and peace and healing. Thank you for the ministries that we have uh, added to our list this year, Father, as they bring us into focus that this really is and always will be all about Jesus. For us in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hope, prophecy, promise, provision, Christmas, the Christ, the cross. That's what we're about. Hope in his first advent, his coming, simply what the advent means, his arrival, his coming, long anticipated by the scriptures, long anticipated by the prophets of old, as we even referenced in the beginning book called Genesis. We have the first mention of this Messiah who would come to declare victory over sin and death and the devil himself. And we have a hope in his second advent. I want you to know if you have forgotten during this season already, he's coming again. And we should look forward with great anticipation, with joy, as we wait for that blessed moment and we call it the imminent return of Christ because it will happen at any moment. Could be now. Was you ready? Was you ready? See, that's it. That's, how, that's why we have to be ready. We have to be in that living, loving relationship with Jesus Christ because at any moment he's going to say it. Up here, folks, it's all over. Enter your inheritance. Well, that being said, let's stand at the reading of the Word of God. We're going to be reading from one of those prophets of old about 700 years before the arrival of Christ. Isaiah, Isaiah clearly sees it. So we're going to read from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, familiar verses, verses 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. 
as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Verse 5, for every boot of the trampling warrior is battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Father, we pray your blessing upon the reading of the word. And Father, bless our hearts with understanding, with comprehension, that we may lay hold of these wonderful truths, not just for the acquisition of knowledge, but that we might be transformed by them. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Isaiah is rich in messianic prophecy. Isaiah sees the cradle. This is hope announced in Isaiah 7.14, Isaiah 9.6. Isaiah also saw the cross. We call that hope secured, Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. Isaiah saw the kingdom. We call that hope eternal. And Isaiah even got a wide open view of the king in all of his glory, Isaiah chapter 6. He saw the conception. He saw the crucifixion. He saw the resurrection and he saw the rain. That man had an eyeful, didn't he? The prophet seen these things through the visionary uh, 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 provision that God had given him. And in Isaiah chapter 9, he gives us this full portrait of the Messiah. First of all, he gives us news of his miraculous birth. Holy, this is something that, uh, that, that just occurred to me again. I've thought of it before, but man, it, it hit me as I thought about it in this moment of preparation. Here is this baby, this baby laying in the cradle. Let's go back nine months. Here is this embryo in the womb of his mother, still holding the universe together, right? There, there wasn't two Jesuses, one in the womb. You know, this is, this is a mystery beyond our mental comprehension, that at every moment Jesus existed, he is responsible for holding the universe together. So whether it was in the embryonic state or the birthday, there he is over there in the cradle. And the stars are still in their place. And the planets are still in their orbit. Isn't that amazing? This is the Jesus. This is the child that was born in a manger. His miraculous birth, his multiple names, his magnificent kingdom, all of these things Isaiah saw. So the first thing we want to look at this morning by way of preaching points is this, the disclosure of the vision. The disclosure of the vision. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun 
and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Christmas, Christmas, a joyous time of year. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, right? Carols and mistletoe, Christmas cards, family gathering, shopping, giving, and receiving gifts. Hallelujah. Don't forget the baby. Don't forget the baby. But what if the meaning, I want to approach this carefully, so please don't jump ahead at me. What if the meaning of Christmas is actually much darker. Stay with me. What if Christmas isn't to necessarily highlight all the joys of life, but to shine light into the darkness? In the Bible, Christmas comes not on the triumphant shoulders of our put-together life, but it shines into the gloom of the darkness that we cannot get ourselves out of. What Christmas means to our Christmassy culture can actually be quite different than the Christmas in the Scriptures. To the prophet Isaiah, it meant hope. Hope of a child shining light into the darkness. The context of Isaiah 9, 1-7 is the darkness that, that's, that's the context. The darkness of the circumstances of God's people. They are facing imminent judgment. And Isaiah is saying, wait a minute. Not only is there hope now, but there's hope eternal. Listen to these words from verse 1. This will get you in the Christmas spirit. Gloom, anguish, contempt. Merry Christmas. But wait. But wait. The light is coming. The light is coming. Glory will one day burst forth into the darkness. The people walking in darkness, that's us before salvation, have seen a great light. Hello, saved. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. 700 years later, the heavens would explode with singing and rejoicing. We are all hell-deserving sinners, but grace burst forth into the darkness. The shepherds were watching their sheep by night. The wise men would later follow the light of a star. The heavens would guide them to the promised king. And this child that the shepherds ran to rejoice over, and this child that the wise men would visit and present their gifts to, this child would one day declare himself to be the light of the world. And again, Jesus spoke to them, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. 
the light of the world was destined to suffer the sorrow and darkness of death. Luke 23, it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Has the light gone out? Somebody say no. No. Wait. The resurrection's coming. The Christ of Christmas. Do you, do you realize the journey we've just been on, right? The Christ of Christmas is the Christ of the cross, is the Christ of the empty tomb. Happy Easter on this Merry Christmas. That's hope, folks. That's hope. So we have, in the first portion of Isaiah's prophecy, the vision disclosed. Secondly, we have the declaration of the victory. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divided a spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder. Boy, I need a staff for my shoulder. Surgery's coming. The rod of his oppressor you have broken is on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle and tumult, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. The prophet looked beyond the first coming of Christ to his second coming. The light spreads, multiplied nation from a returning remnant. The promise of Abraham fulfilled. The grand finale in heaven is right around the corner. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The declaration of victory not only was the declaration of victory proclaimed at the cross and the tomb, it was also to be declared at the end of all time when Jesus Christ brings it all back together, war at his second advent. Are you with me? With me. The grand finale in heaven. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know that darkness will never touch you again. We will live in the glory of Christ, illuminating presence. There is no more sun, no more moon. The very light of God will illuminate the heavens, and we will never, ever be touched by darkness. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That's what Christmas is all about. The illuminating presence of God himself. Emmanuel, God with us. And now we are to be that lamp on the hilltop, take off the basket and let your light shine before men. The light of the gospel spreads, so does joy. 
Isaiah spoke God's people were in darkness and it was going to get worse, but a new dawn would come. His people would return to the promised land, this remnant, and out of that remnant, the Messiah would come. He would conquer both sin and death, take our burdens, break the rod of the oppressor. God will not only win the war, but someday he will end war itself. Brothers and sisters, the gospel is not a negotiated truce. It requires an unconditional surrender. So we have the victory. Let's take a look at the victor. The description of the victor, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This is the climax of the message. In verse 6, what we find finally is the answer to all that has ever made us afraid. Every anxiety we've ever carried, every fear we've ever nursed, every difficulty we've ever faced is answered in one single person, a child. A child. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Whose idea was this? Who could come up with a plan like that? This is not what the people were expecting. There is nothing in this world weaker or more vulnerable than a baby, a child. What is God doing? You see, God has ordered the world in a way just like that. Weakness overcomes power. Foolishness overcomes wisdom. A child defeats all evil. It is an unlikely, improbable, but absolutely incredible plan. And it worked. It worked. When everything looks bad, when darkness surrounds and engulfs us, when burdens are too great to bear and sin has robbed us of light and life, a baby is born. A baby is born. What a God. A child is born. Humanity. A son is given. Deity. His name is wonderful. Wonderful. Then there will be nothing dull about his reign. As counselor, he has the wisdom to rule justly. And as mighty God, he has the power to execute his wise plans. Everlasting Father does not suggest that the Son is also the Father, for each person in the Godhead is distinct. Father of eternity is a better translation. Among the Jews, the word Father means originator or source. 
Matter of fact, Satan is the father of lies. <laughs> the other side of the picture. But if you want anything eternal, you're going to have to get it from Jesus. He's the father of eternity also. As a wonderful counselor, he has the best ideas and the best strategy. I recommend we follow him. And as mighty God, he defeats his enemies easily. I'd like to hide behind him. As everlasting father, he loves us endlessly. Folks, that's something we can enjoy in him. And as the prince of peace, he reconciles us while we were still his enemies. Let's welcome his dominion in our own lives. So we've had the vision. We've looked briefly at the victory. We have looked also briefly at the victor. And fourth, the dominion of the victorious. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, the fulfillment of God's eternal plan. Now, I have some scripture that I want to share with you, so please follow along, listen closely. 1,000 years before Christ, the prophet Nathan spoke these words. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from the following of the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have, have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more, as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Listen carefully to the words of the prophet. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and he will establish his kingdom. But listen to where we jump from there. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Guess who's sitting on it now? Somebody say his name. Jesus. Jesus. The psalmist said, for I said, steadfast love will be built forever in the heavens. You will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Selah. Then Luke gives us this, this moment that Gabriel announces the time has come. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There will be no end. Praise the Lord. We've just covered a millennial. And everything happened just like God said it would. How about that? So through the human line, through the human ancestry came the Son of Man. And through divine intervention and providential will came forth the Son of God. All wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. Brothers and sisters, it really is a Merry Christmas. It really is. John will later give us the final description of his dominion. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, there he is again, there he is again. Behold, I am making all things new. And also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty all will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. No one who conquers will have this heritage. The one who conquers, excuse me, the one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God. And he will be my son. Our final thoughts. The story of God's plan of redemption in Isaiah chapter 9. Life can be hard. Our sins are great. Our needs beyond measure. And God's grace is sufficient. The truth of the gospel. We will never reach the limit of Jesus' strength. We will never exhaust his storehouse of grace we will never out his patience. We will never run so far he can't find us. We will never fail so bad that he can't redeem us. We will never fall so deep he can't rescue us. His empire of grace will expand and expand and expand and expand until the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Every single moment with Jesus is and will forever be better than the moment before. He will increase. We will be with enjoying his increase as we decrease. Amen. Wiersbe simply says it this way. What a difference it makes in our lives that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. And what a difference it will make in this world when he comes to sit on David's throne and rule righteously. Jesus is the difference between light and darkness, life and death. He is also the difference between joy and sorrow, freedom and bondage. As you wait for his return, be sure the government of your life is on his shoulders. Let him be to you all that his names proclaim, for every name that he bears, a blessing that he shares. C.S. Lewis says, 
God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself. There is no such thing. You cannot have the peace of God without peace with God. Some are asking for God's peace without having God. Lewis is saying that there is no such thing. Peace on earth is a phrase we see at Christmas time. A quick look around tells us we are not there. We even struggle with peace within ourselves and wonder why we don't have peace with each other. We have taken a very, very rapid journey this morning. A lot of content, a lot of things to consider. We've gone back at least 1,000 years to look at the Messiah. And now today, everyone here is faced with a decision. Receive him or not. If you've already received him, praise God. You are really ready for the second advent. Okay? That's better than having all your shopping done for Christmas, folks. It really is. To be ready for the second advent is the ultimate preparedness. But if you're not ready for the first advent, you've never really celebrated the second advent. You're never really celebrated the first. I want you to consider that. If you're not a born-again Christian, the first advent of Christ means nothing. It's just a holiday. It's just the 25th of December. That's it. That's all it amounts to. You don't even get a day off. It's on Sunday this weekend, so you don't get an extra day off. What a bummer, huh? So, folks, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to get ready for your first real Christmas. And by getting ready for your first real Christmas you'll be ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the day that we have had. Thank you most of all for the scripture. We read a lot of it this morning, Father. We examined a lot of it. And I pray that it's, it's been embedded into our hearts and minds. But Father, most of all, we've tried to keep the focus on the main thing. And the main thing is one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. The focus of all that we do here, the focus of the way we live out our lives is looking to the Son of God to provide everything that we need. Thank you for my family here, Father. Thank you for my family, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And if there be one who is not a member of that family, I pray today that they experience your divine adoption. For it's in Christ's name and for his glory that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand as we have our invitation. And folks, as we work and move closer and closer to the holidays, I, I want to thank Pastor Adam for for 
being a major part of putting these services together, the order and the scripture. Thank you for following the Lord's lead in that. And it's all about focus. Our, our goal this year is to make a, a sincere spiritual effort to really keep things focused. So praise God. And praise God for all of you. Let's sing. And if you have a decision to make, I'm just going to say that work it out between you and Jesus.